0: Uh, so last week we talked about um, hope and what does it mean to uh, firmly kind of root our hope into uh, something. And so tonight I want to talk about, uh, honestly, something that all of us do uh, really every day. Uh, I think sometimes we think about this in the kind of spiritual world, um, uh, in, in more of like the religious world. But the reality is, is that we, we practice this particular thing um, all, all the time. And so our, our theme for tonight uh, is faith. And so faith is something uh, that everybody practices uh, all the time. And so when you when you came in uh, here, um, faith, Well, let me give a definition for faith, and we'll we'll kick into it. So faith is basically um, belief that moves into action. Uh, that's what faith is. So um, you, you have a belief, and that particular belief is then going to move you into um, action. That is essentially uh, that's essentially what faith is. And so uh, everybody practices faith uh, all the time. Uh, you you got in. Uh, the the train on your way over here, and uh, probably stupidly believed it would get you here effectively and on time. Right, that's faith. We practice faith every day. You're thinking, I'm going to get in the car with uh, my Uber driver, and and they're they're going to get me here. Or you came in and you were looking around. And you're like, I'm going to sit down. Where well, that that is a belief that is moving you to do something, a type of of trust and action. Um, inside that. So what we're talking about tonight is essentially uh, faith that works. Uh, it's kind of a tricky thing to even say faith that doesn't work, uh, because faith is really uh, a belief that has manifested itself and begins to produce um, obedience and action. And so Hebrews chapter 11, if you, if you don't know a lot about the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 is kind of like the faith chapter. And so if you go to, to that particular chapter of that book, it's, uh, we call it the Faith Hall of Fame. And uh, all throughout Hebrews chapter 11, you see incredible um, people throughout the, the, the history of the Christian church that have practiced faith in various ways. And so the writer in Hebrews chapter 11, one you have to turn there, but it'll, it'll be on the screen behind me, um, defines faith this way. Uh, this is Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, he says, uh, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for uh, and the proof of um, what is not seen. So basically says that faith is reality and proof. Uh, that's what faith is. That it that it um, that it creates and and um, manifests uh, manifests itself in action. Uh, when Katie and I, let me think about it this way. So when Katie and I got our uh, first house in Tennessee, um, so new home, first home really pumped about it, and uh, we, had a, we, had a, a, we had a dog, we had a German shepherd, and so we, we loved that we had a backyard, but, but our backyard, like, we, we were poor, and so we didn't really have the means to, um, to do things in the backyard and have a fence or any of those types of things, and so we were, we were out visiting family uh, in, in Georgia, her family in Georgia, and we, we were driving by uh, a lot, there was, like, a construction site that was going on, and they were digging up bamboo, like, they were digging up this ton of bamboo, and so I had a great idea. I thought, you know what we'll do? Um, let's go by there, let's uh, dig up some of the, the bamboo that's there, let's uh, transport it back to uh, our home in Tennessee, uh, and let's, let's plant this stuff, right? Because um, I'm thinking bamboo, right? Privacy, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, you can't kill it. Like, I mean, we, our household is historic for killing anything, right? So if you, if you go to our house, and uh, we have all of our we, we have like our succulents around our uh, uh, around our faucet. Uh, they're all dead right? I mean, it's just, so I'm thinking we can't kill this thing, you know, like, I think this is going to be, that was our mistake. You can't kill this thing. And so, all right, so I don't know if you know much about bamboo. So we went in, planted a couple of different places of bamboo uh, all throughout kind of the, the front end. So if you're looking at our house, to the right of our house, we planted various stocks of bamboo, put it in the ground, and uh, and and I thought, we'll just wait. We're just going to wait and, and see what this produced you know and so we kind of went through this period where like it was going to dive and this kind of kept going and i would go out there and faithfully water my bamboo every day which now sounds stupid but i so i would go out there and kind of water it and, and i'm cultivating it do you know what happens with bamboo like um it is the most like invasive aggressive uh plant that exists on 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 Earth, right? It's I don't know if you're, yeah. You know, it's like kudzu. Maybe if you're from the South, like you just can't stop it. And so what began to happen? We we were living there for years. What I began to notice was, um, kudzu. It, like the bamboo was coming up, and then I, I, I started to notice the bamboo, uh, was was coming up in my neighbor's yard, right? Which which was a problem. Because my neighbor didn't plant bamboo, you know, I did. And so, and so it started coming up there. It started working its way into uh, the, 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 like the other beds of plants that we had. It began to randomly shoot up into those places. And so I thought, I have greatly misunderstood this plant, you know, like most plants. And so I, I, it was one of those things where I was like, I got to figure out what is happening. You know, is like, like a bamboo, you know, witch coming out at night and planting it in other ways? Like, how is this happening because I, I go, you know, and so I would go out and cut it. I, I would go out and cut it, you know, cut my grass. And then I would even cut it with with like plot, you know, shears and things. And then no joke, a week later, it's coming up again. Like it was, and so I was like, what's going on here? So I started researching bamboo, which is what you should do before you plant it or anything for that matter. And what I realized is the incredible thing about bamboo, it, you know, because I was thinking privacy, you know, you know I'm, I'm thinking like, You know, any movie I've seen with bamboo, I'm like, that's beautiful, right? That's what I'm thinking, right? Well, that's what I thought, you know. But the impressive thing about bamboo, what I learned, is not so much like what's above the ground, but what's under the ground. Uh, What was happening that I didn't realize is is bamboo has this incredible uh, root system that just carries that sucker, you know, everywhere. Just all over the yard, in my neighbor's yard, and everywhere it begins to just kind of shoot up. And, and begins to create a, a ton of problems. And so the, the impressive thing, I was like, wow. and Because I was trying to, to defeat it, but I realized if I'm going to defeat it, i got to go to the, the root system. I can't just keep cutting it down like a, you know, i just I got to go to the root system. And so I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about tonight, and I was thinking about faith because it's kind of this like spiritual kind of term that sometimes I don't, if, if you're like me, I don't fully understand. And I thought, you know, that's a lot of ways that's what faith is. Faith is is almost this um, this underground belief that begins to produce something in believers. I mean, if you read uh, if you read Hebrews chapter eleven. It's an incredible thing where it's like, by faith, Abraham um, did this. By faith, uh, Moses did this. By, by faith, um, Sarah did this. By faith, Rahab did this. It's like, it's this incredible kind of thing. And so I'm, now I'm reading Hebrews chapter 11 and I'm thinking, okay, the, the, the roots of that system are now, are now creating shoots, right? The, the roots of all of these individuals, their, their faith in God their trust and belief in God is now producing and manifesting itself in all these various types of actions and ways that are happening in in chapter 11. It's an incredible thought. And so that's essentially what faith is. It's a belief that produces something. it's 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 a trust that begins to produce something um, in you. And so let's look at how does this fit into the Christmas story? Because we're talking about Advent. We're into the Christmas season. So how does that fit in? Uh, well, let's go to um, uh, let, let's go to our scripture for uh, tonight. So Matthew uh, chapters two, we're going to start in verse one is, is where we're going to be at. Let me pray and then uh, and then we'll dive in. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Um, thank you that you speak to us, um, that you're still speaking to us, uh, that you have something to say, um, that is worth uh, receiving, and you have a desire to um, to be known, God. And so, would you reveal yourself tonight, God, through Your Holy Spirit, um, through uh, through Your Word uh, tonight, that um, we would be a people changed, uh, God, that we'd be a people understanding what faith is, God, that we would have a, a belief that would produce something, and uh, we just pray all this, all these things in Christ's name, Amen. All right, Matthew chapter two, um, starting in. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says this. Uh, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem uh, of Judea in the days uh, of King Herod, it says wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Okay, so this is Herod. Herod, uh, Herod the Great was a real genuine historic figure. And so this is during the reign of Herod the Great. And so what Matthew is is telling us, the author here, is he's saying that during this guy's reign, uh, wise men are coming from the the east and they're arriving in Jerusalem. And this is what they're saying um, now to the king. They're saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Now, how do they know about this king of the Jews? Well, we read on and it says this, for we saw, this is crazy, um, for we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. They, they said, man, we're here and we're looking for uh, the king of the Jews. And the reason that we, we've, 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 we've been here is, is because we, we saw his star rise and now we follow the star. And so can you, can you please tell us uh, where the the king of the Jews is, and so I was thinking about um, I was thinking about this right because this is um, what, what what we're going to see happen here with the wise men uh, is this is faith is their faith manifesting itself in a way that, that they would show up uh, at, I don't know if they just knocked on the king's door I don't really know how that goes down but they showed up based on a belief and a conviction that the king of the Jews is here, is, they're in Jerusalem, so they're thinking he's in Jerusalem, their faith has produced something, and so now, uh, now that they have, have shown up. Well, it, it's interesting when you begin to think about this, right? Because um, it, it's like, well, who were these wise men? Like, who were they? Right? What, what kind of faith would it take to, to move these, these men from the, the east and move them um, in, into, uh, into Jerusalem? Well, a couple of, a couple of things that, that we know about them. Um, that that we just see from that is, is these are not typical like these are not typical God worshipers. So so the thing that's incredible when you think about when you begin to get into the story is these were not these were not Jewish men. They, these weren't these were men who were considered a part of God's people. They, it, the, the, the Matthew is letting us know that they came from the east, like uh, could be like Persia. Uh, just he's saying from an area that that is not traditionally. Uh, an area where people are coming looking for uh, the the king of the Jews, and so when, when you see wise men, maybe your your uh, text says um, magi or various things Who, what were these people well typically they were they were um, what you consider like a magician or they would be a, a sorcerer or they would be an astronomer um, they, they were people if you 're familiar with the story of Daniel um, in the Old Testament, uh, Daniel was considered a wise man, and so uh, in that particular story of daniel the the king is bringing uh, sorcerers and magicians and wise men. What the text tells us is he's bringing wise men forward, right? And, and Daniel, a Hebrew, uh, in, is considered a wise man. He actually is put in place over the wise men in the story of Daniel uh, because of his wisdom. And, and he's saying, man, all, everything that I know is attributed to the Hebrew God uh, is, is attributed to the, the God that I, I worship. And so we, we have a little bit of detail about what these men were. But the one thing that we know about these men is they weren't traditional God-fearers. They weren't Jews, and so I'm thinking about this, and I'm going, okay, so they're coming from the east, and now they're, they're here um, to worship. Uh, the, other, the other thing that we that we're, we have a pretty good um, thought in is these are really, really smart men. Um, they, they knew what they were coming to do. They were coming to worship the king. Um, what, what we also know about them is that the journey from wherever they came from to this particular time that we're caught up in uh, took somewhere between one in two years most most people believe two years right so maybe you're if you're thinking flannel board christmas story right if that's what you grew up in you're, you're thinking you know uh jesus in a in a man uh, in a in a barn which he was he's really born in a cave not a barn you're like you're blowing my my manger scene you know um it, but so you're thinking flannel board you're thinking you know uh shepherds wise men baby jesus little drummer boy you know what i'm talking about uh, he wasn't there, but I like that story. And so you're thinking this whole layout, that's not, that's not how it went down. Uh, what the text tells us is that the wise men show up about two years later. The, the reason that we know this is in, in uh, verse 16, um, they, they had fooled Herod. I'm going to give the story away. They fooled Herod. They didn't, they didn't follow Herod. And then it says that he gives out a decree uh, to kill all of all the children that are two and under uh, based on what he heard from uh, what he heard from the wise men when they said, man, we've heard that a king has been born, king of the Jews, uh, he, he goes and kills every two-year-old. So what, what the, the idea that we have is that Jesus is around two years old at this point. So think about this for a second. These aren't guys that are prone to random trips. You know, like they, it wasn't like they were thought, let's, let's get some backpacks, you know, a 44 liter, and let's go out on a, on a backpacking trip and see what we can get into. That's where we're not these guys. These are smart guys. These were astronomers, people that were watching the skies, not God-fearers. And so Matthew is telling us that they see his start, and they're, they're moved. They're, they're moved to, to be obedient. Like the first, here's like the first thought, right? Because um, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, man, their faith. What did their faith do? What, what did the shepherd's faith do? The, the shepherd's faith, um, it, it propelled them, and it moved them to, to obey in a really radical way. That's what it did. It, it pushed them. Their, their faith in this particular story was calling them to move in a, really, in a really radical way. It was saying to them, I want you to take a long trip, somewhere between uh, 600 and 800 miles. You know, there's no Tesla, right? There's no plug-in for your Tesla. Like, this is a long, this is a long journey, uh, 600 to 800 miles. I mean, that, just to, to embark on that takes an incredible amount of faith and trust in what you're going after. And so, based on on their understanding, we're not even sure like where they fully got their understanding of a king of the Jews, but there were, they were they had a belief and a conviction that has now moved them in a really radical way six hundred to eight hundred miles to to show up to um, to show up to the king uh, uh, the Herod the Great who is considered the king of the Jews himself and say Where's the baby at Where's the king of the Jews now, here's the remarkable thing about the Christmas story. If you checked out, you maybe take this part and then you can check back out or whatever. Here's the incredible thing about the Christmas story over and over again. Because we read this and go, wow, that's incredible that they would do that, that they would go find this king. The, the amazing thing about the Christmas story and the reason that, that we as followers of Christ can celebrate is because the, 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 the pursuit of, of relationship between a God in heaven and a, and a created humanity, that pursuit that happened did not start With the wise men. And it didn't start with the shepherds. It it didn't start with any other kind of secondary player in the scriptures. The the pursuit of this relationship to be reconciled started with who? It started with God. God, the Christmas story, the reality of the Christmas story is that God created the pursuit. Like he's the one that initiated relationship with who? With you and I. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Is it's Emmanuel? It's like God with you, God among us, like God created this pursuit. Now, now, how do we, how do we, how do we know that He created this pursuit? Well, uh, in in chapter two, as we've already said, they said, "I mean, we saw His star at its rising and have come to worship." So something's propelled them. God is is propelling them. We also see in uh, Matthew two nine through ten. Um, uh, it, it says, and I'm going to skip down, but then we'll kick back up. It says, after hearing the king, they went on their way. This is 9 and 10. And there it was. There what was? It says, there it was the star that they had seen at its rising. Uh, it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. So now sometimes we think that the star, that the, uh, the wise men followed the star all the way to Jerusalem, right? That, that it, it moved from the east to uh, to Jerusalem, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. The text isn't telling us that that what, is what happens. It says that they saw a star. Then it seems as if the star went away, and then they got there, and the star appeared again. So what's happening? Because this is not natural. Uh, you've you know have you ever been led by a star anywhere? No, no. Right, it's not a natural occurrence. What is happening? This is God breaking into the normal order. Of humanity. Breaking into. Because think about these men. They're astrologers. Like they, they understand the stars. And the moon and the universe. That's what they do for a living. And God breaks into. What they understand as reality. Why? Because he, he's pursuing them. And has a desire that they would pursue him. Do you see that? He's breaking into their normal reality. And he's saying to them, I'm going to speak to you in a way that you get and you understand. And I'm going to call you to radical obedience. That's what I'm going to call you to. And so he's pursuing them. This is what happened in the story. He is pursuing, um, he's, he's, he's going after them. The other really great thing, this is not about tonight, but I, I love this about this particular um, story in the wise men. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but they're coming from the east and we said that they're not Jews. So you know what this is? This is God. This is such good news. This is God inviting the nations into worshiping him. See, God is breaking um, the, the normative understanding that, that he's a God of the Israelites and a God of the Hebrews. Like, he, he did that at the very beginning of Jesus' birth. And how did he do it? He invited dudes from the east, from like Persia, magicians. See that? He, he's inviting, he's inviting them um, he's inviting them into. Uh, and so, so the reality is is that faith, real faith, calls us to action. Now, in this particular story, I, I don't know, maybe you're here. Um, maybe you're here and, and, and God has called you to, to, to make like a, a radical decision for him. That's a very real thing. So he's called you to something or he's called you away. Uh, he's called you to, towards something or he's called you away from something. It's a very, like, it is a very radical choice. Uh, that he's calling you to, and you're like, man, God, I know you're calling me. I want to do it. Maybe, maybe you're in the room, and so uh, you see this story, and you're like, man, I can resonate with that. Like, I see they had a big decision, and they trusted God, and, and, and they went and did it, right? Or you're, you're seeing Hebrews chapter 11, and you're going, gosh, man, all of these biblical characters did some really incredible things, and some, just really put themselves out there, and God called them in some really radical ways, and that resonates with you. And, and I'm like, man, like, God could very much be calling you to do some pretty radical things and asking your faith to do that. And the fear is, because I was thinking about this when I was reading this story, and I was, I, was thinking about our, um, I was thinking about our time tonight, and I thought, you know what my fear is a lot of times? My fear is that we read stories like this, um, and, and we just think, like, God is just always calling us to, to really radical faith decisions. Like, just these over does anyone else ever feel that it's like man I need to make an overwhelming just puts me out on a ledge type of decision to to just show that I have a massive amount of faith in God and I think God does that very much so like we we've had moments in our own personal life um, where God's called us to do things because we have a faith and trust in him that were very they were very radical I mean we that in that same you know um that same house we had uh, our, our very first house that we ever owned, God called us in the, the middle of a really terrible market to sell that house and to move to another house in a more strategic location in our town and area and city. And it was the only thing that I could attribute it to because we didn't have equity in that house. We had no reason. Like there was no reasonable reason to do what we did in that particular part of our story. And the only thing that I could tell people was like, I don't know, but God's called us to do it. I just, all I can tell you is God's told us to leave this place go into this other place, I, that's, that's all I got. And, and God, we saw God be really faithful in that decision, and he does that. But you know what I have found? Um, I have found to, to the most amount of really gospel change that happens in a city, in a community. Do, do you know how it happens? It happens through ordinary Christians living ordinary lives, um, doing everything that they can through a gospel lens. Just ordinary, ordinary people... And, and ordinary Christians doing ordinary things, like, through a, through a gospel lens. That's how the world and the city and the culture changes. This is, like, my fear when I read these things, I was like, man, I, maybe God's just, like, calling you to, to be obedient. Like, okay, maybe for you. Maybe God is saying to you, um, I want you to be obedient by uh, inviting, your, inviting your neighbors into your house for dinner. That's a very ordinary thing. I mean it's also weird for people, right? But but it's but it's a very like that's that's a very ordinary you're like you don't know my cooking. That would be a radical thing. We'll get takeout, right? Get a restaurant, anything that you can do and and just just say just say to somebody, "Hey man, we've passed each other a couple times. We've done like the nod thing. You know, I know that you can hear me above you. Can I go ahead and apologize for that?" Um I dude would you be interested in just like coming over, hanging out, having dinner? Or man, do, do you and your wife want to like who you know? Would you want to come over? Like we're 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 just kind of maybe you're new to the place or, or whatever. And it's like we keep passing each other. Why don't why don't you? Maybe maybe what God is calling you to do is just be an ordinary person doing ordinary things. And and for you that that would be a, that would be a major thing, is to have somebody into your home uh, to to hopefully build a relationship. So that then you can um, so that then you can share Christ with them, uh, may, maybe your ordinary thing we 're in the Christmas season, and so people tend to be happier and, and there 's like an expectation you know that that you know people swap things, and so maybe for you it 's just like maybe you should bake something you know or buy something whatever, and and then you know you can even put it on a plate like you did it, uh, and then go to your neighbor that would be deceptive don 't do that. Uh, You know, and and go to your neighbor and go, hey man, it's Christmas time, you know, and uh, we're just getting passing cookies around, dude, you know, here's, uh, I don't know why I always do it through the lens of like a bro, right, this would be the most weird bro thing to do ever, you know, it's like, hey dude, I made some cookies, you know, I was just thinking, you know, here you go, you know, whatever, right, I don't don't know what that is for you, but it's like, you know, why don't you come on over, you know, and, and so maybe for you, that's it, maybe your ordinary thing that God's calling you to do. Um, to live the way of Jesus faithfully in your particular area, is to, to bake cookies, um, to, to do something like that. Maybe God's calling you to have hard conversations. Um, th- there's, there's, very much, um, there's very much potential that he's calling you to do something radical. But I, I think sometimes we focus so much on the radical, we just miss the ordinary. You know what I mean? And I think maybe God this season is calling you to just do some ordinary stuff and begin to have some conversations and make space in your schedule and reorganize things so that you can do that. So, okay, so the first thing that we see uh, happening in this, this story is that um, the wise men's fate was calling them to do, in their particular story, to do something really uh, radical. All right, let's continue on um, into, the, continue into the story. So it says, we saw the star. Look at verse uh, 3. When King Herod uh, heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them uh, where, uh, where the Christ would be born. Verse 5, uh, they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what is written in the prophet. Uh, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, um, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod secretly summoned the wise men And asked them the exact time that the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Uh, Go and search carefully for the child. Uh, When you find him, report back to me so that I uh, can go and worship him. So he, he hears of this. King Herod hears of this and says, I don't know. I don't know any. Let's gather the, the scribes and the Pharisees and, and let's ask them. And they point to an Old Testament prophet and they said the prophet uh, in Malachi says that he'll be born in uh, Bethlehem. So if there's a king, you should go to Bethlehem. Now, just to point out, it's, it's a pretty interesting thing that the the Pharisees and the, the scribes and, and these like religious figures hear that there's the potential that there's a king in Bethlehem and they don't go. But guys from the east, not uh, Jews, not guys who are considered um, God-fearers, hear about it and go immediately. And we're talking four miles from where they're going to where they're going. But they stay at home. They stay at home base. And so Herod secretly goes to them and says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Go find this kid. Go, go find the king of the Jews. And then when you find him, let me know. Because he's like, I want to worship him. You know? Like, I want to hang out with him. I wanna, you know, maybe I want to give him something. You know, I want to take care of this. I want to take care of this king of the Jews. So go find him and, and, and come back to me and, and let me know. Now, here's what's interesting about this story. Is we have two different responses from two different types of people. Do, do you know what the number one enemy of... Um, of faith is? Because um, the wise men, are, are, they did what? They were, they were working out of their faith. They are giving us an example of faith. The, 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 the enemy to, to faith um, is not disobedience. I think the enemy to faith is fear. I think it's fear. Let, let's think about Herod the Great for a second. He's called Herod the Great. There's a reason he's called Herod the Great, because he did some pretty incredible things. I, I mean, if you uh, if you read his if you read his resume, um, he he consolidated Roman rule where he was. Um, he he was actually uh, not a Jew, but he was made a Jew by the Romans. He was considered the king of the Jews. The Jews, uh, the Romans considered him king of Jews. Um, he, he built multiple cities. Uh, he built a port city in Caesarea. Uh, he rebuilt the Temple of Jerusalem. I mean, he, he kind of went on this vast, like, building kind of tour uh, and began to do things. Um, he, he, uh, what what the, the, the history books tell us is that he strengthened Israel's position in the ancient world. He increased their commerce. Um, he, he turned uh, where, where he was living in Jerusalem to a trading hub for Arabia and um, the east. You know, he built theaters and amphitheaters, port markets, temples, housings, palace, walls around Jerusalem, aqueducts, just really incredible things. Um, he had a secret police. Uh, was, a, was What we also know about him is a pretty ruthless dude. Um, he killed his father-in-law, which is not something that you do if you want to keep peace in the family, but killed him. He killed, uh, this tells me he didn't care about his father-in-law. Yeah, he killed about 10 of his wives. Um, he killed two of his sons uh, he, he killed just vast numbers of people, Herod did and so we get to this story and here's the parallel, here's the comparison we have wise men who are responding they're responding in faith and their faith has called them to do something radical to travel 600 800 miles and then we have Herod the Great who is placed in parallel to the wise men and he's responding how? what's he responding in? fear fear of what doesn't want to lose his rule doesn't want to lose his influence doesn't want to lose his status he's king of the jews who's this other person who's calling themselves king of the jews see fear will squash faith it's the enemy And and maybe God's called you to do something, and you're paralyzed by fear. And it's not not disobedience so much that you're struggling with, it's fear. And and this is the story. This is what's going on with the wise man and and Herod the Great, is that he's responding in fear. That's what he's doing. See, fear says what? Fear says to self-preserve, to take care of self. Can can I just say to you tonight that that faith faith and self-preservation almost always don't go hand in hand. If you're going to respond in faith to what God has called you to, it's most likely not going to line up with self-preservation. It's probably going to be a call to die to yourself. To die to your desires, to trust him more. It it it's, it could likely be the opposite of self-preservation. Maybe you've had this in your own particular life, where you're like, "No, I want to. I want to preserve self. I want to keep comfort. I want to. Uh, I want to. I want to have a plan in place, and I want to have control in place. I want to. I want to have all this stuff in place." And what you're God, what you're calling me to is, you're asking me to release. You're saying. Trust me and do this particular thing. But if I do this particular thing, it feels chaotic and it feels out of my hand. And God goes, yes, I am. Absolutely I am. See, faith and self-preservation can't coexist. And the reason I know that is because I see Scripture and I see Hebrews chapter 11. And those, those brothers and sisters... If they would have been inter- interested in self-preservation, we wouldn't have Hebrews chapter 11. Would we? No. And so Herod, in his part of the Christmas story, he's like, "I'm not responding in faith. I'm going to respond in fear." And these begin to work again one another. The the, the, thing, that's interesting, um, the thing that's interesting about this, is that the wise men had every right to respond in what? In fear. I mean, they go to King Herod, Herod the Great. They know who he is. Obviously, they're showing up at his doorstep here. And, and, and they're coming to him, and he's, he's saying to them, hey, go find this, this king. And, and what, the story, um, what the story tells us is um, uh, in verse 9. This is what it says, Matthew 2, verse 9. It says, "Uh, And after hearing the king, they went on their way, uh, and and there it was. The star that they had seen and its rising had led them until it came and stopped above the place uh, where the child was. I want you to think about that for a moment. Like, really think about that. This This is like a real story. It's not on a flannel board. They're walking. And a star, apparently bright enough for them to get it, appears again. Out of nowhere and begins to point the way towards the king of the Jews. It's got breaking in. And so they see it and they rejoice, right? They're like, okay, we're not losing our mind. Our faith hasn't taken us to some crazy journey, right? And so it says that, that they, they rejoice. Um, and there it was, they rejoice. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the, the child was. It says, they saw the star and they were overwhelmed with joy. So, entering the house, was it the star that brought them the joy, or was it the king of the Jews inside? It was the Savior. That's what brought them joy, not star. And so it says, entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented uh, with, with various gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Uh, and then being, uh, uh, being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. And so I'm reading this, I'm thinking, wow, they just did the opposite of King Herod. Herod the Great. I mean, they had every right to, to respond Uh, in fear. That's the thing that's remarkable about this story is their faith not only took them on this crazy two-year journey to go see a king of the Jews, a guy they've never met. With scriptures, they're not, we don't even know that with scriptures they're not even familiar with. But they just, they they have a conviction and a trust. And they show up and they do that. And not only do they do that, but they turn their back on Roman rule. Because that's what he was. A representation of Roman rule. And they turned their back on him. They weren't so much scared of King Herod as much as they were scared of Rome. And he was a representation of Rome. And they refused to respond in fear. They just said, I'm not, um, I'm not I'm not gonna do it. And and sometimes we read this, like we read this at a different angle, don't we? Like we know the story. Like you've read that before. Seen Charlie Brown. We, we've got all the, you've read the worst Christmas pageant ever, right? You, We've got all the story. So we read this and we go, wise men, go, 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 go. Like this is going to be, this is going to be amazing. Like you're forever going to be cemented into the Christmas story. Bro, you are going to be on the flannel board and the, the, every cartoon about nativity scene ever in VeggieTales, like just everything, man. You're going to be marked. Like this whole thing, dude, is going to be incredible. Like, go, go, go. We're sitting going, go, 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 go. They have no idea how this story is going to turn out. Not a clue. All they have is belief that's moved them to action. That's all they got. That's all they got. So I'm like, Lord, can you birth, like, man, can you birth that type of faith in me? A belief that moves to action? Whether that's, like, an ordinary, just an ordinary action or not. Whether it's just, like, going out of my way to say something to my neighbor. I'm I'm a bit of an introvert, so I'm a pretty awkward dude. It, like if you, in, in a particular set, like I'm just off the cuff, I'm awkward. I got to be really prepared, like in a, in a setting that I'm I'm going into, just have to. But like, so sometimes I'm, you know, I've got the headphones in and I'm kind of on the journey and the, the day's been long, man. And there's times where God, I feel like God is, is telling me to say something to somebody and it's like, you know, nothing crazy, you know, nothing like I had a dream about you, you know, not any kind of crazy thing, but it's just like, hey man, I live down the street. I see you a lot, you know. Um, just wanted to say hey. Just want to say what's up. You know? I'm like, man, can you birth a type of faith in me that 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 doesn't allow fear to direct how I respond and act? And yeah, maybe that's where you need to like, maybe that's what you need to hear tonight. God, you've been paralyzed by fear and it's keeping you from responding in faith. And the beautiful thing about the, the this this story that we have of the, the wise men is we're like, man they responded in faith so so what happens in the the story we just read it, it's incredible it it blows my mind so looking back in Matthew um, in Matthew 2 it says in uh, verse 11 it says entering the house they saw the child with Mary his mother and what did they do It says, and falling on, uh, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Now, think about the scene for a second. Jesus, most likely, is two. My son is two, almost two. Have you seen him? Right, he's running around here, right, really cute, you know, great outfit, that's him. Beautiful. Beautiful. Can you, can you imagine, right, if I brought my son up in this moment? And I, and I was like, if I could get him to even be quiet, you know, for a second. And I was like, everyone, King of the Jews, Savior, Messiah, let's worship, right? Some of you would, most of you, I would hope all of you, would sprint to the door, right? You know, including my wife. Too. But they did it. See, the end goal of faith is always what? It's always worship. The, the end goal of faith is worship. This is what it's working itself to. Jesus, what I love about Jesus uh, in all of these situations so, when we think about faith calling us to radical things, when we think about fear not dictating, um, uh, our actions and not suppressing our faith when we think about uh, when we think about faith producing and ending in worship Jesus um, all throughout his life all throughout the scriptures is a perfect embodiment of all of these things wasn't he did his his faith in God the Father that, like that took him to the cross it did it's why he would say things like not my will but your will be done I trust you I'll do this. He, Jesus didn't respond in fear. He was the perfect embodiment of what it means to not allow fear to dictate your faith. This is what Jesus did. It's what we see him do all throughout the scriptures. Bro was fearless. Was fearless. And then in this particular story, wise men, astronomers, smart guys, show up to a two-year-old, and worship him it's crazy faith um, faith will ask you to do some pretty like if you, if you have a real faith in God it, it will ask you to do some pretty ridiculous things like some pretty silly things and at the end of the day what God is wanting from that whatever you're producing is, is he's wanting more worshipers. he's wanting worship to happen and so the conversations that we have with our neighbors hopefully end up in what? More worship. It's not to have a good relationship so much with our neighbors, even though we, we want that. But it's about what? We're hoping that the faith that created the conversation takes the conversation from a relationship to a relationship to worship. To worship God. That's why we do these things. It's because we want more worshipers. Faith. Faith always ends in worship and so maybe um, maybe you're here tonight and um, and and you've never trusted Christ like you, you've 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 never thought like you're practicing a type of faith in something else you're believing in something else you're trusting in something else and maybe tonight you need to you need to put your trust and faith and confidence in Jesus tonight and you're seeing things this season and maybe that's for you maybe God's been Drawing you, maybe you're, you're. We're talking about God pursuing in this story, and you're like, man, I have felt God pursuing me in some really crazy ways. Maybe it's through dreams, maybe it's in conversations, maybe it's I don't know. What he he gets to people. I love this man. He gets to people in all kinds of ways. I don't know how he got to the wise man, but he got him. You know what I mean? Like he just does. He's like, I'm gonna get him. So maybe he's pursuing you in various ways tonight. You need to trust him. Quit fighting that process. We, we would love to talk to you about what it means to be a, a follower of Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and fear has paralyzed you and I'm going to give you a moment to pray and you just need to tell God you're sorry. You need to repent of that. Maybe you need to have a, a, a conversation with your spouse or with a friend or, or something. I you know, mean, God's calling me this and I've really struggled and I haven't wanted to do it. Maybe maybe on the way out or, or later, you know, it's like, man, I, I need to, God's calling me to produce something with my faith and I think I know what it is. Can you help me with that? Maybe you need to have a conversation in that maybe you've got a bit, a really big decision, you know, and uh, maybe you've already made it. And you're like, God, will you increase my trust in you, my confidence in you? Maybe that's where you're at tonight. Um, maybe, maybe you need to give up self preservation and trust Jesus. Maybe you need to give up preserving self. And seek more worshipers for God. And those don't go hand in hand.